Wherever you are, we are. News, sports, talk. The following program is a production of Com Radio on the campus of Penn State University. The opinions expressed on this program are solely those of the students involved. They do not represent the views of Com Radio, the College of Communications, or Penn State University and its Board of Trustees. The following program is a production of Com Radio on the campus of Penn State University. The opinions expressed on this program are solely those of the students involved. They do not represent the views of Com Radio, the College of Communications, or Penn State University and its Board of Trustees. Stevens through the defense! Oh, put it on the poster! Here is today's SNS show starting lineup presented by Lions Prime. Jake Starr, Westchester, Pennsylvania, Ruston High School. Join Lamoche finally comes in near side circle. Lamoche out in front of the net, holds, swings, and misses. Out to the Naples. He shoots on net and he scores. Paul the Naples. First goal of the season, and Penn State leads 4 0 over Alaska. Preston Shoemaker, Holidaysburg, Pennsylvania. Holidaysburg Area Senior High School. Nitty Lions, they work it into the hands of Jones Jr. Back up top to Myron Jones. Now Dredd, they throw it down low. Mike Watkins, oh my goodness! He alley-ooped, he lights the place on fire! Now let's send it out to Innovation Park where Jake Starr and Preston Shoemaker guide you through another episode of the SNS Show presented by Lions Pride right here on Com Radio. It has been a while, but for the first time since, I, guess, I don't know, March, early March, we are back in the Innovation Park Studios, Preston. It's crazy to, to think about. That's all I can really say. Well, first of all, Jake, can you even hear me? I can hear you. I hope they hear me because I can't hear anything. I'm in a different room. <laughs> Life is so different these days. I'm in a different room. I'm looking at you through a glass window, talking into a different mic. I don't know. I have no control over the board. You could be playing '70s music out there, and I can't stop you. So, you know, all the power's in your hands this week. And uh, man, world's pretty crazy right now. We're back. First time since March, for sure. Last time we sat in these studios, we were talking about a Penn State Big Ten tournament basketball run, or maybe a Penn State tournament hockey run, and we were oblivious to what the next six months were about to bring us. Pretty it, crazy. I mean, it's it's crazy. It is. It's crazy. I mean, we were last here in March, as you said. We were preparing for a chance to go to the NCAA tournament, a chance to play in the Big Ten tournament. And, I mean, you were in Indianapolis when everything kind of unfolded, when the NBA uh, canceled everything. But now we're back, and the season's back on, and we, there's a lot to talk about. And I'm, I don't know about you, Preston, but I'm really looking forward to talk about it. I'm, I'm happy to be back. I'm excited to be back behind the mic, but excited to be talking sports once again, having sports to talk about once again. I mean, we, we went through a couple of months there where nothing going on, nothing to talk about, and man, just uh, really eye-opening to see how different life can be. You never really know what you have until you lose it, and you know, we're living life casually here on campus, and next thing you know, we're home for months, and nothing happening. So excited to be back, excited to be talking with you guys, and uh Excited to be here on Com Radio. A lot of good things to come this semester, and uh, we're looking forward to it. Absolutely, and I mean, we can kind of start off with that. Just we're three weeks, two and a half, three weeks into the semester, Preston. How's everything going so far for you, <laughs> Jake? Life's life's crazy right now, to say the least. I mean, I'm happy to be back and uh, of somewhat good health. That's uh, that's great to see. And um, you know, as I try to pull up our uh, a rundown here. I'm just like all. I'm all flustered because we're in this other studio. Um, you know, the last few weeks have been different. It's a learning curve. It's an adjustment period that everybody's got to buy into. You know, masking up and uh, social distancing and online classes. Some classes being in person and uh, you know, it's just so it's different. It's very, 
very different. That's the best word. That's the word of the week is different. But, uh, you know, that doesn't necessarily make, make it a bad thing. And, you know, we're excited to, you know, be here, be on the air and be able to talk. And I'm rambling because I'm trying to buy myself some time to pull up what I'm looking for because this is... I got it up at least. All right. At least one of us is on the right page because I'm still hearing 80s we're, music out of one of my ears. We're all over the place today. I mean, as we said, it's the first time we're back since March, but it's the first time in the history of our show that we're in different studios, and with being in different studios comes different controls, and everything's different, and you got everybody telling you that they hear one thing, don't hear the other thing, but I think that the audience has told me that everything is good now. I, I can confirm that the 80s music has stopped in my one ear. There we go. I hear you, and if the audience hears me, then I think we have a show. I think we have a show, so that's that awesome. Good. We kind of got through any technical difficulties. Unfortunately, this week, we're not doing Instagram or Facebook Live, still in the process of figuring that all out but we will definitely be back next week for the fans who want to see our pretty faces i mean in my opinion i don't know if our faces are that attractive but i know that the people out there they that's what they want to see oh i mean the face is the money maker that's that's where i see from at least so i hope we can get these live streams back up i know people want to see us want to hear us talk and uh you know the multiple platforms we can throw out there the better but uh you know, glad we're ro- rolling right now. We're ready to go. So, I mean, exciting. If you want to see Preston's pretty face, all you got to do is go watch Center County Report <laughs> from, what was it, Tuesday? Preston uh, out there killing it as a sports anchor. So, and, you know, he's going to be sure to show some support there. I appreciate that, Jake. You know, we're trying trying our best out here. In a semester where everything is virtual and online, I'm uh, very grateful to be able to anchor for Center County Report this fall. And, uh, you know, just hoping we can be up here as long as possible and on campus as much as possible so we can keep getting on air but it was a lot of fun tuesday my tv debut you could say and uh, i'll be back reading the news this week so making the jump from news or from sports to news kind of like you so we'll see what happens absolutely i mean yeah a lot, a lot of fun things planned really really hoping that we get the opportunity to see all of it through and obviously as we're reminded all the time it comes down to us and the students at penn state continuing to act responsibly Make smart decisions and just protect your own health and protect everyone else's health. So if we can continue to do that, hopefully we have a chance to really see through a lot of our visions for this semester. I mean, Preston, it's still surreal. We're For the first time since March, we're in this studio. I mean, I'm surprised I didn't shed a tear uh, walking in today. It, it's it's crazy. It's one small step for man, one giant step for the SNS show. Yes. I mean, we're, we're back behind actual microphones. We're in the studio. A couple of Zoom shows over quarantine and some stuff in the summer, but I mean, and just, just so the listeners get a sense out there, like, this is not in any way, shape, or form normal as to what it was before. I mean, we are only out here in the studios for our show, masked up, socially distant in separate studios, wiping everything down using our Lysol spray and the second we get off the air and re-clean we're back out in the parking lot I mean this isn't the hub it once was of hanging out out here at Innovation Park but you know we're we're happy to be here we're very grateful for the opportunity and we're excited to see where things go this semester very very positive outlook and honestly fingers crossed that hopefully by later this semester or by the spring we get the opportunity to sit in the same studio together again because Preston no, don't go too far Jake that's that's a lot to ask right it now. is a lot to ask I, I don't know if I want to sit that close to you I, I'm going to ignore the fact that I drove you out here in my car I don't want to I don't want to sit next to you in the same studio so exactly. let's, let, let's get let's not do that so anyway we're talking about avoiding disaster I think that's a perfect segue for where we'll start our show out and that's talking about the Big Ten and the absolute storm that we have seen the last man almost a month since the Big Ten canceled football. I don't know about you, Preston, but Ryan Day released a statement today. Not sure if you saw that. Basically calling out the Big Ten. And they're not calling out the Big Ten for not caring about safety. Obviously safety is very important, but what they're calling the Big Ten out for, and James Franklin is also on the record saying the same thing, is just lack of communication. And just a lot of la- I just heard some '80s music coming through my ear. So you but- hear you hear it too. I okay, it good. Too. I, I thought I was losing my mind. I'm like it came back. I'm like turn it down over there. But anyway, <laughs> it's been a storm of it's a lot of things that we can and can't say on air right now. Of just what's going on, and you got Ryan Day, the head coach of I'm gonna say it, the best team in the Big Ten, Ohio State, coming out and calling out his own conference on Twitter. It's I don't even know where to start with this because it's crazy. You 
just, you don't know what the next step is. You hear rumor after rumor. You have everybody involved in the decision-making process. I mean, Preston, it's been so hard to kind of just digest what's going on right now. Well, look, and the, the fact that things are changing by the day makes it so much harder to try to focus in and understand what's going on. But I think uh, I think James Franklin said it best. He released a statement. I think that also came out today, similar timing to the Ryan Day statement that I did see but did not get the opportunity to read, although I could probably guess what's in there just based off what you said and just having common knowledge. Um, Franklin said he criticizes the Big Ten, but he emphasizes, I'm not criticizing the Big Ten's decision. I'm criticizing the way they carried out this decision, the way they carry themselves, the way they've made their decisions being the first conference to pull the plug far too early, in my opinion, could have let some time go before they make that decision, and just not sticking to a decision, not releasing you know, how they made said decision or why they made a decision and what the next decision may be, it's a disaster. It's a PR disaster for the Big Ten and receiving a lot of backlash. You look at a school like Penn State, and Jake, here's a shout out to our uh, sports industry and society class with Mr. Mike Poorman. Mike Poorman, you got gotta love it. You know, we're almost in person in that class. You get a Zoom every here and there, but happy to happy to learn about the industry. And here you go, first tidbit of knowledge. You know, these Big Ten universities are losing almost a hundred million dollars this semester alone, just from the loss of a fall sports season. That's not just football, but that's your soccer's, that's your volleyball, your women's volleyball. They're losing a lot of money off of this. But that being said, I don't necessarily think that the Big Ten's making the wrong decision. And I don't know where you stand on this, but I thought when Jay Paterno came and spoke to our class last week, he said it best, and I've used this analogy multiple times, and it was, you know, if Poorman wanted to have 70 students from Iowa come in for the week and sit in on our class and just sit there with us as Penn State students, learn about the class, and then go back to Iowa. And next week, we're going to Michigan State to sit in for class and listen to a class and get lectures and just get experience on other campuses. Is that going to fly right now? And the answer was absolutely not, especially in COVID times. So then why should the football teams be able to play right now? And I think it makes perfect sense. As a Penn State football fan, as a broadcast journalism student, nothing disappoints me more than losing the sports season this fall, especially Penn State football. But I think the Big Ten's responsible by making a decision that goes beyond the money on the field and looks at the overall health and wellness of all college athletes in the Big Ten and all students at Big Ten campuses, let alone faculty, part-time employees, professors. There, there's a lot at stake here. And playing a football season that could spark another outbreak and spark the virus, you know, there's a lot more cost there than the $100 million that might be lost by not playing football. That being said, the accuracy in the way they've carried out this plan has been disastrous and they just need to be able to stick up for themselves and say why well, you're not playing football you're not playing football because of covid but then they're out here saying oh well, you know we had an 11 to 3 vote this week but you know like a couple weeks ago the vote was 12 to 2 in the opposite way and you know we're not going to tell you who voted against it and we might be back in october but probably thanksgiving but then again probably january and maybe not at all <laughs> it's it's a mess and I, although I feel like their decision itself might be responsible because at the end of the day, these college athletes are not paid employees. She can't play in a bubble and you can't force them to play. So really at the end of the day, there shouldn't be college football at all this fall. And other conferences are getting away with it and the Big Ten isn't. And that's where I get confused. And I think the Big Ten could explain themselves a little better. But I think the decision's fair. I don't know if you agree with me or not. Yeah, I mean, I have a lot. And... Uh I do have an interesting counter because I think we're definitely on the same page, but there's more we have to look at. But before we get to that, we have to go to a quick commercial break. And when we get back, I'll tell you what that more is and kind of just counter, not, not poking at you, not trying to be against you because I think that there's two sides to every coin and we have to look at the other side. But before we get to that, we're going to take a quick commercial break. You're listening to the SNS Show here on Com Radio. We'll be right back. We are stronger, lions pride, stand together, blue and white, lions pride, show the world your best inside, lions pride, so live it, your love and lions pride. Lions Pride, locally owned and operated in downtown State College since 1976, offers everything Penn State for every Penn Stater. At Lions Pride, we are Penn State. Lions Pride, so live it, your love and lions pride. 
Hey, Oma. I miss you. I miss the fried chicken you always make. If only you were here. Homesick hurts. At least you don't have to deal with it all by yourself. Come to the Coop, the Korean fried chicken restaurant in downtown State College. Good food away from home. We'll be here with you. You're listening to the SNS Show here on Com Radio. Now back out to the Innovation Park Studios with Jake Starr and Preston Shoemaker. Back live from the Innovation Park Studios, Jake Starr, Preston Shoemaker. It's about the bottom of the hour here on the East Coast on what was a pretty nice Thursday afternoon slash early evening here in State College. Looks like we're about to get some weather. I mean, Preston, when we got here, we saw our GM Jeff Brown's car <laughs> sitting outside, and his top was down, and I heard you remind him that we might get some rain, so he might want to be careful with his car there. Yeah, I, I win uh, Com Radio member of the day for being able to get Jeff Brown's car saved from a potential rainstorm, so I take a lot of pride in that today. So anywho, before we went to the break, I talked about how there's two sides to every coin. And when you make a decision, you have to look at both sides of the coin, and you have to look at, excuse me, not just taking the easiest way out when you have to make decisions. So my thing with the Big Ten's decision is the question that I have raised multiple times since the Big Ten made a decision is, are these players actually safer? Are they really safer not playing football versus playing football. You know, these are the same decision makers in all these school presidents that decided it was too unsafe to play football, but said it was safe enough to bring 45,000 kids back to campus and intermix with these athletes. And when you take into consideration all of the protocols and the testing that the football team and all these other fall sports have, you have to ask yourself, is taking that away really making them safer and you have to also add that the players when there's a season have the motivation to stay out of trouble have the motivation to not congregate on large groups not go to parties not participate in risky i guess covid risky activities now that there's no season who's to say these players aren't taking those risks because they know that there is no downside should anything happen because there is no season. It's an interesting thing to think about. And you just think that, you know, if you're during the season and you participate in something risky and you get sick, you're going to potentially infect 30 to 40 players of your team. But if it happens when there's no season, there's, there's no motivation because ultimately, like we're seeing with the Penn State students that are here, these are 18 to 22-year-old kids who are socially starved, who are looking for any kind of, large social interaction but you tell these football players hey we're going to have a season and you have to do everything in your power to make there be a season they're going to be smarter but when you take that season away from them are they really going to be smarter so look the risk of covid is there whether there's a season or not no matter anybody who goes out into the public understands that risk but taking that season away and removing all that motivation to practice the safe compliances and removing a lot of those protocols that the teams have, in my opinion, I feel like the players are more at risk of contracting the virus now than they were should there have been a season. I'll, I'll counter with that, and I don't think anything that you're saying is vastly out of the picture. I'll start with that because you make some great points. I think for that to prove to be true, then you need to look at you know, Penn State's athlete COVID numbers and compare them to Alabama's athlete COVID numbers within the next two to three weeks and see Alabama's playing season, Penn State's not. Are the numbers really rising? I disagree when you say that you think that they would be safer without playing, and here's why. I tie it down to really two things. One, you know, the action of playing football is clearly, you know, no social distancing, no... You're, you're tackling guys, you're breathing on guys. There's there's a lot of margin for error there, and I'm not trying to 
build the narrative and support the narrative that all sports should be canceled because there's no social distancing. I don't think that's true either. I think with proper testing and proper procedures in place, sports can happen right now. You have to go out and live life right now because life isn't what it used to be and it's not going to be what it used to be for a very long time. You can't just put life on pause for the next year until everything's normal. So I think sports should happen. Where I struggle is the college sport aspect because these are not paid athletes. They're student athletes who are not employees, cannot congregate as a labor force and rebel against their laborers, as you've seen with the college football. Some conferences wanting to put together a players association and you know it just does not really flow. NFL can get away with this because they can test, they can they've got guys on contracts. They can create a bubble if they need to at some point down the road. You can't do that in college. And in regards to you talking about how players could be safer playing football than not playing football, I think that really relies heavily on the assumption that just because there's a season happening, they're going to completely alter what they're doing. I I mean, Penn State football is still practicing on a daily, weekly basis. They can get 12 hours of practice in a week as of right now under the Big Ten guidelines. So... They're, they're out there practicing. They're meeting as a team. I guarantee you James Franklin is all over those guys. It's not just like, all right, yeah, I just got done practice. Now I'm going to go down to the frat house and, you know, party for the next 10 hours with 25 to 75 people unmasked. I think these players understand the severity of the issue and the fact that there could still be a season, and they're trying to protect that. But I go back to when we were just talking about this on the way over, how Anthony Fauci just kind of stated it doesn't make sense to send students off of college campuses home because that's where these outbreaks may be starting and then you're going to take that and take it all over the country when they send everybody from every campus back traveling wherever the travel aspect is big because if you can assure just for the couple of months until say there's a vaccine or say this becomes more manageable you're not taking 40 to 60 penn state student athletes and faculty and staff and taking them to Iowa to congregate with players from another school at another potential hotspot location and then go out and play football, an action that clearly does not follow any sort of social distancing and could very much increase the spread, and then send them back where they started from. And, you know, it's it's going against the thought of if COVID's bad somewhere, you shouldn't be traveling and taking it other places. And that's... Those are the two things that really I, I fall down to. They're not paid athletes, and travel is tough right now. So for a college football season to be played in the Big Ten, I, I think the Big Ten and the Pac-12, it, it kills me to say it because I love sports, and there's nothing I want more than to be prepping for a broadcast this weekend or getting ready to watch a Penn State football game in Beaver Stadium. But if it can't be done permanent, full safely, then postponing it's the right way to go, I think. I think the two conferences made the right decision. I just hate how they did it. I hate how early they pulled the plug. I hate how the PR has looked. I hate how there's been six rumors on when they're going to come back and there's no leadership in the Big Ten as of how they're going to make a stand and build this back. And I don't know necessarily if they let them go ahead and play football and then you just assume that the players are going to be safer because there is a season that it's making any difference. I, I, I struggle there. That's where you lose me with your side of the coin, but I'm, I'm going to throw it back to you through the nice wall we have here. I can, I'm looking at you through the porthole. I can wave at you. I'll throw it back at you and see, um, you know, kind of counter off of that, if you may. And here's the thing. And really two key points I want to make here is, you know, my whole point has always been the risk of COVID is still there regardless of, whether they play or not, you know. Yeah. It was Labor Day weekend last weekend. Uh, I know that. Mess here. I know that students went against President Barron's advice and went home for the weekend. So knowing that, you're still say a thousand, say three thousand students went home. There's a chance that of those three thousand students, just one percent of them, which is thirty, could have bring brought back the virus from home and potentially have given it to other students, given it to a football player. So my thing has always been that the risk of the virus is still there regardless if you play football or you don't play football. My thing is it's always been about reducing the Big Ten's liability. I don't think, look, obviously they care. 
if a player gets the virus, regardless of if they play or not. But if a player gets the virus and it's technically not on the Big Ten's watch, that saves them a lot of money on litigation yeah. right there. The key has always been, it's not about whether you're at risk for the virus, it's are you at risk for the virus under my watch if I'm the Big Ten. Absolutely. I, I could not agree with you more. And even if the Big Ten's making the right decision, there's no way of knowing if they're making that decision based off the right reasons. You could very easily say, yeah, the Big Ten cares about their student-athletes and they really don't want to see a Micah Parsons get covid but the reason they don't want to see Micah Parsons get COVID is because if Micah Parsons gets COVID and then can never play football again, he's going to sue the crap out of the Big Ten. And that's a problem. It's all about transfer of liability. And that's 100% correct. I, I don't disagree with you there at all. I think the Big Ten has been dodging liability since this started, which is why they pulled the plug so early. Because in their mind, if they could push the liability somewhere else and get it off of their shoulders, it's a problem they don't have to deal with. Absolutely. And... My second point I wanted to bring up is, what if, and I know it's a what if, and this whole COVID, the last six months has been full of what ifs. What if all the SEC, the ACC, the Big 12, the American, you know, whoever else is playing, you know, BYU, what if they make it through a whole season? Say, look, there will be COVID outbreaks. We've seen it happen in Major League Baseball, but they've done the proper protocols, and it looks like everybody has been okay so far. What if they make it through a season and the Big Ten and the Pac-12 kind of just sit back on their hands for the next four or five months and we see, when we see Clemson crown national champion again in January after a successful, for the most part, season, then what do you say if you're the Big Ten and the Pac-12? And look, I get it. It's a big what if. But we spent the last four or five months talking about what ifs. What if the bubble doesn't work? Both bubbles have worked tremendously. They have been outstanding what if major league baseball doesn't work aside for a couple of outbreaks which have all which most of them have been tracked back to players making dumb decisions baseball season has gone on pretty smoothly and we got the nfl coming up and when they looked at the training camp numbers they were very good and we're going to see what happens now that teams start traveling but my opinion is that if you see all these other leagues successfully complete a season it's going to be a real bad look for the big 10 now, could we see a situation where we get to October 1 and things are going well and you have the commissioners in the presence of the Big Ten saying, you know what, let's get back in there. Let's get a November 1st start date. Do they want to see what happens first? I don't know. But here's the thing. You've had so many people doubting all of these protocols. But I'm going to be honest with you. Everything in the four major sports, add golf, NASCAR, you know, tennis, has worked really, really well because ultimately – as we're learning, the better you do at lessening your risk, at wearing a mask, at social distancing, keeping your circle small, not doing anything stupid, you have a chance to make this work. And if the other three conferences and everyone else who's playing college football make this work, it's going to be a really, really bad look for especially the Big Ten. Well, and look, I think we got to close here soon on this, so I'll just kind of say this. You're absolutely right. If the SEC the Big 12, the ACC, all these conferences successfully play a season. We successfully put Clemson back in the national championship seat again, and the season ends. That looks really bad for the Pac-12 and the Big 10. But playing the two sides of the coin in the what-if game, what if 25 players on Alabama get COVID? And what if 15 of them develop the heart disease that comes with it? And what if their season doesn't make it past November? Now, all of a sudden, Kevin Warren looks like the smartest man since Donald Trump. I mean, he's like now the next big thing. So I, 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 the what-if game scares me because, I mean, there's so much that can go on. And I just I fall back to this. There's nothing I want more than sports to return to normal. I think the bubble is the most successful, and clearly it's shown. It's the most successful way to do it. But there's no such thing as a college bubble. I, I don't see that ever happening. I don't really see how you can. They're not, at, they're not employees. So when it comes to college sports, there needs to be an extra level of caution. And we're seeing clear as day that each of these conferences, first of all, talk about lack of leadership. The NCAA didn't want to make this decision. So their decision was to let the conferences make their own decisions. Uh, so lack of leadership there by the NCAA and Mark Emmert because they don't even want to make a stand because they don't want to be right or wrong. So they step away from it and you're seeing a clear look of 
two sides of the coin. The Big Ten wants to reduce liability. They want to protect players they don't want to play. The SEC wants to save their costs. They think they can play safely. They're going to go for it. And both could be right. Both could be wrong. You could see one or the other, and that's just how this is going to go. And if Big Ten decides back in October that they're going to throw their hat back into the ring and they're going to start playing again, then that's what they're going to do. But if by November there's no college football at all, the Big Ten's going to look really good. And this isn't me. you, You obviously aren't hoping for that. I hope the Big Ten looks terrible because I hope that college football can be played safely. And they're going to show us whether or not that's possible or not, and we're going to see that. But I think that big picture, it's safer for the players to not be playing right now than it is for them to be playing right now. And I'm going to end it on that. Yeah, and one last point I'm going to make your first sentence at the break is about this whole what-if thing. Everybody has questioned every single sports decision for the last four months. Is it safe for NASCAR to come back? It's, you know, golf isn't going to make it. Baseball's not even going to start their season. Oh, the bubble's going to be a colossal failure. So far, they've all been wrong. And I hope that all those people, you know, hoping it doesn't work are wrong again. Quick reminder as we move through tonight's show, it is brought to you by Lions Pride. Want to look like you belong on the sideline this season? Then you can when you visit their downtown State College location at 112 East College Avenue or shop online at lions-pride.com. Preston, that's been six months. I think we still got that Lions Pride ad read down. Well, I'm just saying if you go to 112 East College Avenue, you better be six feet apart. You better have a mask on. You can shop from your couch at lions-pride.com for the exclusive Nike collection. You could look like you belong on Penn State's sideline, even if you can't be on Penn State. Penn State can't be on Penn State's sideline, but you can still look like you belong at Lions Pride. And I have missed talking about that. Other side of the break. NFL starts tonight. Eagles play Sunday. Steelers play Monday. Got a lot more on the other side. We are stronger, Lions Pride, stand together, blue and white, Lions Pride, show the world your Penn State side, Lions Pride, you're living, you're loving Lions Pride. Lions Pride, locally owned and operated in downtown State College since 1976, offers everything Penn State for every Penn Stater. At Lions Pride, we are Penn State. Lions Pride, you're living, you're loving Lions Pride. What is the secret recipe for the Korean fried chicken at the coop? After years and years of searching, I have finally gathered all 15 spices straight from Korea. It is... I ain't giving my secret recipe to nobody. Ha ha ha. The best Korean fried chicken in State College, now at the coop. Now, let's send it back to the SNS Show with Jake Starr and Preston Shoemaker, right here on Com Radio. And we're back here at Innovation Park. The SNS Show makes its return from quarantine. Preston Shoemaker here, Jake Starr, crossed the wall through the window, over the hill and through the woods, but you know we're still bringing a show and we're happy about it. And Jake, I know we're ready to move on to the NFL, and I've set something up here for you. This is going to be fun for you. It's going to be more fun for me, all right? So, Kyle Canillo, good friend of ours. Oh. Great friend of ours. Let's see where this is going. He's listening to the show right now. I can confirm he has texted me. He wants to trade with me air. in fantasy listen, football. Listen to me, okay? Okay. I just received a trade proposal from Kyle Canillo in oh, fantasy no. football. Here is who I will receive in this trade. Duke Johnson, Amari Cooper, David Montgomery, Cam Akers, and Justin Jefferson. And I'm trading him Tyreek Hill. And that is it. <laughs> oh, my God. I just, I just want Kyle to hear us laugh about this on the air. Kyle, I don't know, I don't know what you're trying to do here. Why? I'm gonna, I'm gonna, you're going to get the double notification. Decline trade. The trade is declined. I will never do a five-for-one trade because then I'm dropping my entire bench. And... <laughs> Uh, Kyle, you make me laugh. Uh, that, thanks for tuning in. The commissioner would not let that trade go through. Even though the commissioner let some other questionable trades go through, but that's, that's another topic that for another show. Fine. Another this topic for another show. would have been NFL's back starting tonight. Kansas City Chiefs kicking off the season with fans in the stadium against the Houston Texans. Exciting just to see that the fans are going to be able to have a chance in some capacity 
to watch their team celebrate raising a banner and winning a Super Bowl. Got to love to see that the fans are going to be there. I don't know the number of fans exactly. I know it's a certain capacity. It's not going to be many. But it's, it's still feel good to see that there's going to be some kind of fan support at a live sporting event after watching cardboard cutouts behind home plate for the last month and a half. But, you know, obviously we got a lot to talk about here. You got Eagles starting Sunday against the Washington football team. Love the name, by the way, Washington football team. And talk about how much has changed since the last time we've been on the air. And then the Steelers on Monday night against Danny Jones and the New York Giants. That took you a minute to get I, out. Yeah, just a uh, brain. You know who's calling that game, there. right? Uh, yeah, that's a Kirk Herbstreet and uh, Chris Fowler. Yeah, I'm excited for that. That's going to be a the, good one. Hear the college guys step over for the NFL. So, uh, so yeah, so Jake, we're just going to dive in here, obviously. NFL's back. Exciting. They're going to be kicking off tonight. I want to start with this. It kind of goes off of what we just talked about, and I don't want this to turn into a 20-minute part of this segment. But, you know, they're putting fans in the stadium tonight. They're going to try to start an NFL season without a bubble. Do you think that they're going to make it 17 weeks without having to reevaluate how they're going to have to handle this season? I do. I do think they'll make it, but it wouldn't shock me if we have a Miami Marlins, St. Louis Cardinals situation pop up at least once. The key is, if you're not playing in a bubble you got to make your team environment in as much of a bubble as possible. It's got to be, you're, if you're a player, you're at home, you're at the stadium or you're at the complex, you're nowhere else. Same thing for their families. Their families have to be making smart and responsible decisions. And if they do that, I think they'll be fine. Remember, we talked about the Miami Marlins. They went to a nightclub in Atlanta. St. Louis Cardinals, a couple of guys went out to a casino. So if you can avoid those stupid mistakes... You'll be fine. So, yes, I do think the NFL will make it because I think that they've taken a lesson from Major League Baseball and they've seen how it can work. And remember, in baseball, you're traveling a lot more than you're traveling in football. In football, you're traveling once per week. So if you can, you know, limit your exposure, the travel issue should not be a problem. And I guess the key is just that when you practice, you got to set your team up with if – you know, God forbid there is a someone test positive, you're not putting your team at risk for an outbreak. So that that's the tough thing. If you know, if there is an outbreak, you know, do we put some buffer at the end of the season to make up some games? Who knows? But I think the NFL is going to make it. I, I I hope the NFL makes it because I don't know what I will do if the Steelers start playing and then stop playing. I've already probably won't get to see any games in person this year the way the tickets are working in Pittsburgh. I don't know what you're doing with Philadelphia the games. No fans in Philly. No fans in Philly. So I mean, it's hard enough. I mean, going to Steelers games every year is something I love doing. There's like and there's rivals the experience I get in Beaver Stadium, I get in Heinz Field and it's not the same experience, but it's the same feeling. I I just love watching Steelers football. So uh it would be crushing to see the season fall apart partway through. And I and I think like you said about the traveling, they don't travel as much as baseball, so you may not see the same baseball-like problems. But also, testing is so much better now than even it was in July. It's so widespread and so standard that these players should be getting tested so frequently it won't even matter. Every day. It, it won't even matter. I mean, the problem with that is the false positive, and then you get Juan Soto missing two weeks of a season for not having a disease at all, and there needs to be a standard, there needs just to be better testing, and who knows when that's going to come. But... For right now, I would say, you know, you're looking at a league that's trying to come back without a bubble, and they're going to give it a shot, and every player on those teams are going to be 110% focused on it. And teams can enforce that because they're, they're rostered players, their salary, they sign contracts, and you violate that and you're cut. It's as simple as that. So we'll see how that goes. We'll see how the fans go at these games. So let's start with the Eagles, Jake. Uh, I guess last time we talked Eagles-Steelers was right after the draft, and uh, you know that wasn't a super fun conversation for you, if I remember correctly. <laughs> fun times. But uh, you know, more fun now. Washington football team, 1 o'clock on Sunday in Washington. So how do you want to do this? You, you, you want to do like a game-by-game game, talk about that? You want to talk about players on these rosters? What are you feeling about the Eagles right now? And then I'm, I'm going to counter with the Steelers. And yeah, I can just give kind of as an overall outlook of what I think about the Eagles and then kind of add in what I'm looking at this Sunday. I mean... Look, who knows? There was no preseason, so we don't really have a gauge. And we're going to find out tonight 
you know, we're going to get our first glimpse of whether that's a positive or a negative. Is it going to be a good game, or is it going to be a 17-14 to 14 clunker? You know, who knows? Who knows what's going to happen? But for the Eagles, I think I'm excited. I mean, not – it's tough because you don't know what you're going to get out of Jalen Rieger. You don't know what you're going to get out of Deshaun Jackson. You don't know now Sean Jeffrey is going to be positive. Not positive. Going to be healthy. So used to hopefully, po- hopefully he's not positive. So used to using the words positive and negative <laughs> all the time now that that's that's a no go. The words positive, negative, unprecedented, social distancing. I never want to hear again after this pandemic <laughs> is over. But it's going to be interesting. I mean, the defense should be should be solid. The real area of worry is the offensive line because I'm not worried about Carson Wentz. I'm not worried about Miles Sanders. The receivers, I think, will come into their own. But I'm worried about the offensive line. you got Jason Peters, who's moved back. He was signed as a right guard after Brandon Brooks tore his Achilles. Then when Andre Diller tears his biceps, Jason Peters moves back to left guard, left tackle and gets some more money for it. That was news today. But how much can I trust a 38-year-old Jason Peters to protect the franchise quarterback's blind side? So that's a question. Right guard, you're looking at. Matt Pryor, maybe you're you're losing Brandon Brooks, who, in my opinion, is the best, if not a top three, defensive offensive guard in the game. So that's going to be the big question. I mean, Jason Kelsey's getting up there in age. Lane Johnson's not 100 percent. Isaac Sayamalo, who knows? So that's going to be the big question for the Eagles this year. I think the defense will be solid. Linebackers young, but they're they're quick. That's what I'm excited about. And defensive backs, you got Darius Slay. Awesome trade, Roy. Looking forward to him starting to lock down team's number one receivers. The back end, you move Jalen Mills back to safety. You still got Rodney McLeod back there. You let Malcolm Jenkins go, so you'll see you'll see the loss of his leadership. It's going to be interesting. But looking at this game this week, the Eagles are they're at Washington, I believe. I mean, they are. Yep. Double check that. Still getting used to saying at Washington. Hopefully they have a name for us they're, in, in they're, the next year They're at year the football so. team. They're at the football team. Hopefully they have a name for us in the next year so. We're not just sitting here calling them the Washington football I, team. It gives it a soccer feel, I feel like. You know, you got the you got the Orlando <laughs> football wrong. club. You know, if, the, if they would have won Washington football club, I'd give them more style points. But we'll take football team. Speaking of soccer, Preston, I think, uh, I don't know about you, but I'm getting into the British Premier League this fall. <laughs> I think you should uh, look into it, too. You know what, Jake? You're absolutely right. That's totally just going to be you because I will, I will not be watching the British Premier League. I, 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 I just don't think, even if I tried, I, I, if Messi would have been on Man City, maybe. Maybe. But, so you're you know, a bandwagon. So, yeah. My bandwagon might have happened, but no. No Messi on Man City, no Preston in the Premier League. It's not going to happen. I just got a Kyle Canelo trade offer, but let me talk about this game first, then we'll talk about... We can pick apart Kyle Canelo in a whole special segment. Yes. So, anyway, it's... I think the Eagles right now are six-point favorites, so that's pretty good. I mean, they're playing Dwayne Haskins. Okay, Washington doesn't really have much of a running game. They have a really... The big worry on that game... Is going to be the Washington defensive front versus the Eagles offensive line. And I feel like that battle has a big chance to dictate that game. If Carson Wentz does not get time in the pocket to get throws off, it's going to be a struggle and it's going to be a low-scoring game. So that's going to be something to pay attention to. I mean, we'll do predictions on the other side of our next commercial break towards the end of the show. Uh, Andre's texting me now, yelling at me that it's the English Premier League after I said the British Premier League. I was wondering what the British Premier League was. I wasn't going to call it out, but it didn't sound right to me. But it's the I, EPL, again, not I the BPL. I, I don't know my soccer, so I couldn't even call you out on it. I mean, I'll be hopping on the uh, Tottenham Hotspurs bandwagon there along with Josh Starr. So I know Andre's not too happy about that one, but it's what it is. But anyway, with the Eagles, it's going to be an interesting season. We'll have more to talk about next week. If I'm going to give you a record prediction. We're probably looking at a 10-6, and six, win the NFC East again, four seed in the playoffs. So. And that's what I got on the Eagles. We'll do game picks and some more picks on other side of our next break. But I'll throw it over to you and let you talk some Steelers. Well, I just want to I want to echo with your Eagles. I'm excited to see how the receiving core kind of pans out. Rieger, I just got the notification. In one of my six fantasy leagues, I have Rieger on my bench. And he has now been upgraded to active for this week. So it sounds like he's going to play. See what you get out of the stuff. see what you get out of the first round draft pick there, but um, you know it'll it'll be interesting to see how that offense kind of clicks this year. The Eagles are coming; they're really in the same boat that they were last year. I feel like, and that's something we kind of shift the gears. You look at the Steelers; it's a whole new world for the Steelers compared to what they were dealing with last year. I mean, you had the glorified high school quarterback situation in Pittsburgh. I'm pretty sure they had guys from Northern Allegheny 
and Gateway coming in to play quarterback each week. I mean, it was brutal for them. And they still end up one game away from the playoffs. Now you have an expanded playoff format, and Ben's back. And from everything you're reading, everything you're seeing, everything you're watching, everything you're hearing, Ben is clicking on cylinders and feeling good. He's a little nervous. He came out this week and admitted he's nervous to start this 2020 season. And, I mean, of course you're going to be nervous. You're getting up there in age. You're coming off a whole year. You haven't taken a hit in however long since that week three matchup against the Ravens. Might have been week – it was week two against the Ravens. I was at that game, watched Lamar Jackson torch the Steelers apart in the second half, and then Justin Tucker hit a nice kick in overtime to win the game. But, um, but yeah, you got – a. Division that's improving fast with Joe Burrow, Baker Mayfield, Lamar Jackson at the quarterback helm, and then Ben Roethlisberger. There's no denying the age, but there's also no denying the experience there. I'm really excited for the Steelers this season. More excited than I was last season when I was really excited for them. Here's what I think this is the best defense that the Steelers are going to trot out week one since the Steel Curtain era. We're talking the Larry Foots, the... Casey Hampton, the Troy Polamalu, the James Harrison, Lamar Woodley defenses is now being replaced by this Cam Hayward, T.J. Watt, Minka Fitzpatrick, Devin Bush tile defense. And while I'm talking about the Steelers defense, I would be remorsed if I did not sadly express my disappointment to hear that Ryan Chazier has officially announced his retirement. I was holding on to the slim hope, if you remember my 20... What was that, 2019 or 2020 when I made the bold statement? One of them. It, that Devin Bush and Ryan Chazier would share the field one day. And, you know, it, uh, you got to love everything Ryan Chazier brought to the city of Pittsburgh and uh, respect the Steelers for the way they've handled him and best of luck to Ryan Chazier in the future and his life. And hopefully, uh, you know, he can find himself back into a football position somewhere down Absolutely. the line if that's what he wants. But um, just a shame because thinking of Chazier on that defense as well would be horrifying to opposing quarterbacks. But I'm excited about the Steelers' defense. I love the fact that they got Cam Hayward signed to a mega extension before the start of the season. you got the focal point of your defensive line, the defensive captain now happy and hungry and ready to go with the season. He's got no distractions. You know, they made that mistake in the past when you let guys like Le'Veon Bell, they want money, you don't give them the money. Now, well, now it's a distraction, and it's just going to be over your head all season long. They didn't make that mistake here. They found money somewhere and got Hayward happy. Now you've got a defense that's anchored by eight, I think eight former first-round picks in the starting 11, maybe seven, and, you know, just a really strong, I mean, could be the best defense in the NFL, in my opinion, at least top three. And then you look back at this offense, and you got an offensive line where they signed Wisniewski, and he's not even going to be starting on this offensive line. You know, he's veteran presence, but right now he's the backup left guard behind Filer. So Filer won the job there. They got Villanueva, Pouncey still there, DeCastro, and then Zach Banner sliding into that right tackle position this year. I think the offensive line's strong. I think you're going to see a lot out of James Conner, who has really beefed himself up through quarantine. I think the Steelers didn't draft Anthony McFarland Jr. to just be a decoration at the end of the bench. You're going to see him getting some action, maybe even some... Uh, um, Benny Snell, sorry, Benny, some Benny Snell Jr. action as well. You're gonna you're gonna see some committee running back, but Connor's gonna be the workhorse. It's already been announced. And then of course, you got Claypool and Juju joining up with Deontay Johnson, James Washington, and the new addition of Ebron to go with Vance McDonald. I think Ben's got just as many weapons to throw to that he had back in those years where the offense was the killer bees and they were just rolling at the top of the league with Antonio Brown. There's no Antonio Brown on that receiving core, and it's to be seen what Juju can do stepping up and having a full season without A.B. and hopefully with Ben Roethlisberger. But that being said, I think anything less than 10 wins this season is a major disappointment for the Steelers team. I really believe that they can contend in this division. I think the Ravens are still the favorite. It's their division to lose, and with the three wild cards now in each conference, there's no excuse for the Steelers to miss the playoffs. Just, just none. They missed the playoffs by a game last season without their starting quarterback and just lost, I don't even remember off the top of my head, three of their last four, something like that, and you missed the playoffs by a game. Coming into this season, missing the playoffs is not an excuse. Anything less than 10 wins is a disappointment. I really think this is a Steelers team that could be 11-5, and five, maybe 12-4. and four. It really comes down to those conference games. How good can the Bengals be? Are the Browns a legitimate NFL football team yet? And can you get one of those games against the Ravens? Because you know that you're going to drop one of them. I think Thanksgiving night in Pittsburgh, 
originally I thought that, that would be a huge game for the Steelers, but no fans in the stadium or less fans in the stadium. Not sure what it will be by that point in the season. That changes things. And that's going to change things across the entire board for every team this year. And what you're going to see, that home field really doesn't mean anything. You're just playing two got two teams are playing each other, whether there's fans or not. There's no fans on Sunday in Washington. I know that. Pretty sure there's no fans in New York on Monday night, but I can't confirm that without looking it up. I don't know if you would know anything. I haven't seen anything. I can do this because this is where I just saw no no in person attendance at the Giant Steelers game either. So it's gonna be weird, but you know, that's what I'm going to say, and I know you're just sitting there probably licking your chops eager to counter on me saying, oh, I can't believe you believe in Ben Roethlisberger, and I can't believe you think the Steelers can win 12 games this season. But but I do think that, and I think they've got one of the best defenses out there this year, and I'm super excited to watch Steelers football. They're going to be a tough team to beat, and they're going to be up there in the AFC, and there's no more Tom Brady to rain on everybody's parade. You know, no, now that's Pat Mahomes, so... We'll see if Pat Mahomes can assume the Tom Brady role there, but uh, you know what? Let you let you make fun of me now a little bit on air for the fans. I mean, look, you make a lot of good points. There's no doubt about that. I mean, I'm also watching Jake Arrieta struggle oh, through the don't first. Don't tell me he's struggling. I picked him up in fantasy baseball today. I can't, Twenty-five pitches through two thirds. I, I can't see the I can see the screen a little bit. As long as the ERA doesn't skyrocket, I've got a slight lead in the ERA category over our good friend Will Desitel. I'm trying to hold on to that. Nice. So, I mean, here's the thing. It's all going to come down to Ben, and it's going to come down to how Ben and the receivers work together. Look, you'll get, you'll get what you get out of that running game. It's going to be by committee, obviously. We talked Benny, Benny Snell, James Conner, you know, two guys who have had a lot of success against Penn State in the past, actually. The defense, you know, is going to be really good. You know, they can hold teams to around 20 points a game. Can Ben play like his old self? Can Deontay Burnett? No, Deontay Johnson. Deontay Burnett was an eagle. Can Deontay Johnson take another step? Can Juju be 100% healthy? Can Claypool make the adjustment? How about, like, Eric Ebron, too? There's solid pieces there. And it's all going to come down to can Ben stay healthy? And can Ben be effective? Even if Ben's just 80% of his old self, that's a team that can win 9 or 10 games. If Ben struggles, they're going to be pushing 500. And if Ben plays really well, it's an 11 or 12 win team. I'd probably see the Steelers like a 9 and 7 team right now. I think Baltimore is going to be really good again. I think Cleveland is going to be better than people give them credit for. And don't sleep on Cincinnati. I don't think the Bengals are going to go win 9, 10 games this year, but it wouldn't surprise me if Joe Burrow can win 6 or 7 games as a rookie. I think he's I think he's that good. So I think that division is going to be definitely tougher than the NFC East. I think it's going to be tougher than what you, what you think. I think the Ravens are a team that can win 12 or 13. Steelers can win around 10. I think Cleveland's a team that can win 8, maybe 9 if they play well. And I think that... Cincinnati, as I said, can win five or six. So it's going to be a tough division. I, I think the Steelers are about a 9-7, and 10-16 and 16 this year. Well, and look, I think the division's one of the best in football across the board. And without really thinking about it, I'm just going to say that. But if I really thought about it, I might be able to pick a couple more there. But looking at the Steelers' schedule outside of the division is where I also gain confidence in them because you're playing the NFC East this year. So outside of the Eagles and the Cowboys, that should there's no reason why that's not two wins in Washington and the Giants on next week. We'll get a game pick for that here in a little bit. But And then outside of that, your other teams in the AFC, you got the Colts, very unsure of what's going to happen down there. You've got a rookie running back and a rookie receiver in Pittman Jr. trying to step up with Phillip Rivers. You've And the Colts game is in Pittsburgh. You've got the Bills. Bills are going to be tough. But then the Jaguars, who are... Kind of weak. Washington, I already mentioned, kind of weak. The Broncos, very questionable there. So I, I like the Steelers' schedule. The Texans as well, who just traded away their entire offense in DeAndre Hopkins. So I, I like what the Steelers can do this year. We're going to be doing more predi- predictions here, and we're going to keep that rolling. But um, while we're at it, we're just going to roll right into it. So game picks here brought to you by Lions Pride. Once again, you can visit their downtown State College location at 112 East College Avenue, Socially distant and masked, of course, but you can also shop their exclusive Nike collection at lions-pride.com. So Lions Pride, proud sponsor of the SNS show. So Jake, we'll start with projections before predictions. That's a little alliteration for me. 
But let's go here. I want to do MVP, Offensive Player of the Year, Defensive Player of the Year, Rookie of the Year. Let's start with those four. I don't know if you're going to be able to rattle four off. It's going to be hard for me to rattle four off like that. But let's let's start uh, Rookie of the Year back and forth. You start. All right, Rookie of the Year. Let's go with, you know what, I'm going to be cliche. I'm going to go with Joe Burrow. I, I really think he has a chance. Even if he wins six or seven games this year, I think he has a chance to throw 20, 25 touchdowns, and I think he's going to win Rookie of the Year. I mean, look, another one is Chase Young. I think Chase Young's going to be really good. I think it's going to be those two up there. Of course, top two picks in the draft. Do you think they're going to have a great season? I'm going to throw another name into the ring, and that's Tua. Because he's not even starting. He's not starting week one, but I my projection is that by week four, Tua's got the full time starting gig, and by the end of the season, the Dolphins are going to be in a place in that division where they could potentially make a playoffs. And if the Dolphins, with their squad, can make the playoffs with Tua at quarterback, I think his name is definitely in the Rookie of the Year conversation. But I also like Burrow and Young as well for that. But I'm gonna I'm gonna put Tua's name out there just for a little variety. So from there, let's go Offensive Player of the Year. Ooh, okay, so I know what I have for MVP, and I don't want to repeat that. So for Offensive Player of the Year, it's a tough one. Uh, I don't know. Maybe let's go Drew Brees. Ooh. I, don't, I don't want to go for quarterback. I want to go for running back, but I think Drew Brees has one last campaign in him, but I don't think it's going to be good enough for MVP because I think there's another player in the NFC that's going to win it finally this year. But give me Drew Brees. Okay, that's kind of a sexy pick. I don't, I don't mind that. Um, you know, when I think Offensive Player of the Year, I was trying to think, you know, last year was the Michael Thomas. It's that offensive player that's a stud, but not necessarily the MVP because of other guys who are just more of a stud. So um, I'm going to go uh, I'm between two guys here, and I'm going to say them both. McCaffrey and Saquon. I was going to say Saquon. That you one know, just came the, to my head. It's the cliche top two running back deal, but here's the thing. I think Saquon's got a massive bounce back season. If he can stay healthy, they improve the offensive line. They brought in some receivers as well. Danny Jones is going to be a lot better than he was last year, who I already think is a Hall of Fame quarterback. Let me remind you. So I think Saquon can really excel, and you know what Saquon's capable of. McCaffrey's name's got to be out there too just because of the way he carried his team last year and did not win an Offensive Player of the Year award. I expect similar production out of him. He's a PPR nightmare. He catches out of the backfield. He runs. He gets touchdowns through the air and on the ground. So there's two guys that you can throw out for Offensive Player of the Year. Let's go Defensive Player of the Year. All right, yeah, I know we got to be quick here because we only got a minute left. Rapid Fire, Defensive Player of the Year. Give me J.J. Watt. I see. I, I'm thinking Watt, but I'm going to go away from you and say T.J. Watt. I think okay. he got snubbed last year. We, that's a conversation for another day. Uh, MVP. MVP, Russell Wilson, finally. Wow. Russell Wilson MVP. Um, oh, wow, I wasn't I wasn't prepared for the MVP that quickly. Um, oh crap, that's a tough one. I'm going to go MVP with. And I like Russell Wilson. I'm gonna I'm gonna go Aaron Rodgers. I've done this in the past and it's bitten me in the butt, but I think Aaron Rodgers is underrated still as a quarterback. I think he can bounce back. And I'll go different. So Aaron Rodgers there. Um, I'm going to add one just because I have this one off the top of my head. Comeback player of the year. Can it also be J.J. Watt? Sure. Okay. J.J. Watt. I think comeback player of the year, it locked it in right now. It has to be Ben Roethlisberger. Oh, but if Alex Smith plays more than four games for Washington in any capacity this year, it's his. So okay. that that's fair. Um, Eagles week one versus, the, versus, not the Redskins, the football team. What do you got? Give me Eagles 27, Washington. 21. I think Eagles win this one too. Easy week one pull for them. Give me the Eagles uh, 24, Washington 7. Uh, let's go Steelers Giants Monday night. What do you got? Steelers 17, Giants 13. See, I think this is going to be bigger. I think the Steelers offense is ready to blow out. I'm going to give them 27. Steelers 27, Giants 17. Danny Dimes is going to be good, but just not against the Steelers. Um, what else we got, Jake? Am I missing a projection or a Let's pick go here? Super Bowl matchup and Super Bowl champion. You go first. Oh, man. You really put me on the spot here. Um, Super Bowl matchup. Let's go. <laughs> you know I want to put the Steelers there, but I'm not going to. Uh, let's go uh, New Orleans Saints, Kansas City Chiefs. Drew Brees walks out a champion. Give me Saints, Ravens, Drew Brees goes out of champion. Wow, that's kind of cool. I like it. And with that, I guess that's all we got. 
So, special thanks to everyone tuning back in. SNS Show is back on the air at Com Radio. We're going to be here in separate studios, socially distant and responsible for as long as we can, and we're looking forward to it. Excited to have football to talk about. We'll have a recap from these Week 1 games next week on Thursday, 6-15. You don't want to miss it. But for now, special thanks to Lions Pride for sponsoring our show. And for Jake Starr, I'm Bruston Shoemaker signing off. The SNS Show. We'll catch you next time.